0: Alrighty, welcome into the Intern Allen Show We're going back to our roots this week Back in the car On a long road trip Just, just crossed into Florida Just saw the Florida State Line Like two seconds ago Um, second day of a road trip Back down from New Jersey to Miami It's going well Got to a particularly boring part of the drive So I figured I'd, uh I I'd uh record the podcast. It is 2.05 on a Monday afternoon. So not late Tuesday night like it usually is. But I'll probably still release this Tuesday night. So if anything happens between now and then that I didn't talk about, that's why. Um, we're going to start with the Vikings this week. Also, fantasy football preview coming. Um not really a preview but uh sort of a strategy thing as close as you're gonna to get to a preview for me because i'm not gonna go all over all the players and this entire pod that'll take forever um so it's gonna be like the first okay so full disclosure i apparently i looked at my history of like the first and second rounds um i'm not good in the first and second rounds. so this is how to win your league rounds three and on basically um that's what's to come fun little post game after, uh, and the return of Horse of the Week, so let's get into it. The Vikings lost their first preseason game, um, Thursday night it, it was, um, against the Seahawks, I was really planning on, like, watching the whole thing and analyzing it in a deep way, um, the game started at 10 p.m. Eastern, um, preseason's really boring, and I fell asleep at halftime, I think, fell asleep at halftime, just went to bed, um, that being said, I'll still share my thoughts, because, like, that's what I do, share thoughts on things I don't know that much about, um, My main thought is... I forgot how boring preseason was. Um, I think there's a... There's a bigger hot take here. And that is that... Like... Foot... Uh, don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? I'm... Football is my favorite sport. Um, I would rather watch football than any other sport. Um, I noticed that like clear difference in like my general mood in fall compared to spring um because there's football to watch in fall and there's not in spring um so like if football this is not don't don't uh hear what i'm saying and be like oh he hates football i think the actual gameplay of football might might just be a little bit boring might just be a little bit boring especially when it's done badly. Think of how many games of football you've watched where you don't care about the winner and then think how, like, entertaining that was. Where the game didn't matter. Like, do you watch the USFL? And if not, why do you not watch it? If you love football that much, and I would identify as somebody who loves football quite a bit, why don't I watch the USFL? And that's because maybe if I don't know the people and if it doesn't matter to me, then maybe just the actual product is just a little bit A little bit boring. Obviously, the NFL is great because every week is like a Super Bowl. There's only 17 games. You know the players. You're playing fantasy. You're betting on it. Whatever. But, like, when you don't care, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if I bet on things, I would, like, love it more. But that's just not me because I lose all my money. Um. Anyway, that's just a take I'm cooking. I don't know if I'm going to let it out yet. So it's a good thing I didn't just let it out. Um... Ty Chandler looks good. Um, I think he averaged like three and a half a carry, so it doesn't look perfect, but he looks fine. I really liked some of the stuff he was doing in the past game. Had a good blitz pickup or two. Um, the defense looks more interesting. I'm only really talking about the first half here, and not, only cause I, not because I fell asleep in the second half, but because they were playing backups in the first half, and then they were playing nobodies in the second half, so it's like the backups at least like, might be NFL players this coming fall um I don't really care about the average Joe's just like randomly in camp that played in the second half Jaron Hall looked bad I mean I didn't watch him but I imagine he looked bad based on the stat line and how they lost after he came in the game so um yeah, I mean, the defense looked a little bit more interesting than they had been, certainly last year. Um, a little bit more improved stat movement, blitzing here and there, and all this other stuff. Obviously, it's preseason, so it's a little bit more vanilla too, so it's hard to tell entirely. Um, I will say I'm, I'm concerned about personnel on both the um, – both – well, mostly the defense, but, like, mostly the – corners and like up front um because you're like oh these must be the backup corners it's a caleb evans and um uh, what's the other guy's name uh a black lock or mckay black no Mackay blackman i was like oh these must be the backup corners nope they're the starting corners uh-huh, okay um andrew booth jr is also like okay okay that doesn't make me super comfortable with those guys being my corners um also like we might be starting an undrafted free agent at the green dot position like week one I imagine that's not gonna happen I imagine he's the green dot in this game, I imagine. Uh, I think it's Jordan Hicks is going to be that in real life. But um, nevertheless, we might still be starting a undrafted free agent on defense. I mean, cool, I guess. I mean, everybody loved, like, that Rodrigo kid from Detroit last year on Hard Knocks, but Detroit's defense was also horrible, and that's why they had to start an undrafted free agent. So, um, I don't know. This name is Ivan Pace Jr. He was good this week, but, like... We're doing that. Um, I've mentioned it on the pod before, but outside Daniel Hunter, there's not a lot going on on the on the line. Um, so yeah, I guess those that would be my main thoughts um, on the first week. Jaren Hall was bad. Um, Nick Mullins was good, but I mean, he's Nick Mullins; it doesn't really. Not exactly exciting to say the backup quarterback was good and like who cares he's never gonna play, hopefully. <coughs> Excuse me. Um Yeah, I don't I don't there's a kicking battle apparently, I've heard. I only think that Greg Joseph took field goals in this game, but um him and like this dude named Posless pause listening pause, pause, pause or something like that. It was apparently a kicking battle, I've heard Through the grapevine um, A lot of starters didn't play, so there's only so much To talk about um, Yeah I think that's 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 my talking Vikings for the week um, The Twins We gotta talk about the Twins We were riding high last week I was like, Twins are back Blah 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 Then lost 3-4 to Detroit And Detroit is a really bad team In the same way that the... Not quite in the same way that the Royals are a really bad team, but they're not a lot better. Um, And a lot of Detroit's wins are against the Royals, which means they're not really real wins. So Detroit is a really bad team. And um, the Twins, who are supposed to be at least decent... Jesus, what are we breaking so hard for? Um, We just went from, like, 80 to a stop in, like... 30 seconds. That's fun. Um, Lost three or four to Detroit. Then took two or three from Philly. And Philly's a good team. It's a really good lineup. Made the World Series last year, obviously. Um, But they... Twins took two or three of them. So it's like, I don't really understand what team I'm even watching. Um, Am I going to watch a team that like looks like they can't... like? they look like a triple A team against one of the worst teams in the league. Or is it a team that takes two or three from the defending national league champions? Like, I don't even know like what is going on. It's like, almost like I'm in a toxic relationship with the twins where I fall in love. And then, they, and then they like shit on my like face. Well, actually, that probably shouldn't be maybe some people like that. Um, or I like fall in love and they shit on my sheets. Um, By the way, in the horse of the week coming, some of that, this new language is going to be explained. Um, and no, it's not because Loon Beast bought Loon State Sports back. Although that is exciting. Um, that was a pen reference if we didn't get that. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's going to play or not, but, um, whatever. Um... Is going back on. Um, I just feel like the team just like. Like, was well, obvious. Like, they play well for like a week, or like a half a week. And then they just decide that, oh, yeah, okay, we're good again. And then, like, they completely just forget how to play the game of baseball. Um, and. I, it makes me want to just like close my eyes and not watch the Twins until they play, hopefully, a postseason series because I think I know that they're going to get there because they're going to have these weeks where they're really good and have these weeks where they're really bad. But every time they become really good, I'm like, okay, this is we're going to make a push. We're going to extend the lead away from Cleveland. We're going to make a push where we actually look like a decent team that could take on um, like a real playoff team when October rolls around and I want to believe and then like they are who we thought they were a week later they dropped three to Detroit um I think that they, they play Detroit now again and are they gonna lose you know are they gonna get swept now because they beat the Phillies a couple times like what are we doing um I have another take brewing and I'm not again and I'm, I'm not I'm gonna sort of half send it right now I'm not gonna unleash it for sure um over the past few years on Twins Twitter, which I have... Uh, somewhat unfortunately... Um, like, I pay attention to it a little bit. Or Twins X, I suppose. Um, it's... If you, like, call... In in, in the past, if you would, like, ask for Rocco to be fired, everybody would just, like, call you a casual. It was, like, the same thing as saying Devin Booker's good in NBA Twitter. It's like, oh, everybody just calls you a casual if you want Rocco fired. Um... I'm starting so of course I would never say that because I'm not a casual, you know, I covered the leak for, you know, a minute there, so whatever. Um But I'm getting to the point where if somebody had told me like if if tomorrow they were like, Yeah, we fired Rocco, I like think I would smile a little bit. I think I would like it. I think I'd be happy. Um and again I'm not saying you should be fired, I have not said this take out loud yet. Um but if he were to be fired, I wouldn't hate it, I think is where I'm at. Um and it's because like what are a manager's jobs, yeah? So manager's job is to set the lineup every day. Um manager's job is to like help the is you know, choose the relievers as the game goes on, this, this and this, make substitutions as the game goes on, pinch hits, whatever. Um that happens. Um we started Jordan Luplo and Michael A. Taylor as the first two batters of one of the lineups this week with Dallas Keuchel throwing 82 as the starting pitcher against the world Champion, defending national champion Phillies. Um, that happened. I'm not, again, I would never accuse Rocco of being a bad manager, but that's something that happened. Um, the other one of the manager's jobs are to like help the team with in-game adjustments um, and it seems that like recently, if the team starts out hot, they'll score like nine runs in that game with like the first game of the Detroit series being an example. And if the team starts out not good, that like, they won't score for the rest of the game with the other games in Detroit being an example of that. Um, and so like, if, if we're just starting out badly and we're continuing to be badly, If we continue to be bad for the rest of the game I'm talking specifically on the offensive end here Then like what isn't happening that maybe should be happening Again Would never accuse Rocco of not making in-game adjustments Just asking questions Um, The third thing is Like the manager Managing in baseball is like the biggest vibes guy Job in like All of probably the world Except for like the guy in the rowing team That just like shouts That's a big vibes guy job but manager in baseball is just a big – you just have to be good vibes. Like you have to get people – because you can't – the thing about like a head coach in football is like – or coaches in football in general is like you can you – can. you you're part of installing new plays. You're just part of drawing up new plays, certain packages, personnel packing, all this stuff. You're part of the plans that put the players in position to win games. It's an extremely important thing to do. There's no such thing as that in baseball. The guy goes up there and stands in the same batter's box against the same pitcher or, you know, a pitcher from the same distance way every single time. There's no, like, chess moves to make in terms of, like, where players are going to be, how we're going to make draw up plays. Even basketball has more of that than baseball does. Um, Got to merge here. Let me in. Thanks, boss. Um, so a huge thing, especially in, like, 162-game season where you're with the guys every single day day in day out you know it's late august whatever middle august um just got to keep the vibes high you got to keep people motivated to help people going in the right direction a telltale sign to me of a team that the vibes are not good is just like this crazy inconsistency where we like our talent shines through for a week not even a week again um but then take a huge step back by losing to a bad, like dropping three in a row to a bad team. Like that's the type of thing that doesn't happen in clubhouses that are comfortable with winning and that are like in the habit of good baseball and good vibes and all this other stuff. Again, would never say that that's Rocco's fault because that would make me a casual according to most of twins Twitter, but I'm just asking, like, just saying that if I were to see a team that was performing like the Twins are performing, then I would say there's maybe something about the manager that needs to change in terms of, like, the way he's motivating the guys. Um, Another sort of data point for this type of argument is if you have star players that are struggling um, and they aren't... Supposedly injured Then maybe like That's something that's happening And I would point to Carlos Correa If I were to make that point Which again I'm not gonna do Um So yeah that's I don't know That's where I'm at On the Rocco thing Again I think he's a great manager Because that's Um what makes me A Twins expert Is that I think he's great Um but You know there's some Signs in the team That make me um You know If he were fired tomorrow I'd probably Throw a moderate sized party Um but yeah, that's where we're around the twins. Um, real quick, and then we'll get to the fantasy football thing. Just saw, uh, just saw, uh, just came across my phone like, like a little bit ago. Um, what am I supposed to? I'm supposed to turn here? Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! I'm getting lost. Oh, I am supposed to take this exit. I just cut over three lanes of traffic in front of a semi, but we're good. Um, ahead. Okay, I have to pay attention to the phone now. Um, oh, some guy just did it worse, huh? Okay. Um, just came across my phone that Michael Orr says that the kidnap or not the kidnapping the, the adoption story was a lie, and that the family invented it to make money. I'm talking about the blind side here. First of all, I don't understand how that's true because we saw him with, like, aren't there pictures of him with the family? Maybe it's just a headline that I'm, like, reading the headline and I'm getting, like, I, like, it's, like, not that big of a deal. Like, maybe they didn't just say, hey, Big Mike, when he's on the street. Maybe it's just, like, he went to an agency or something. But, I don't know. I don't really want to pull up the headline because now I have to actually look where I'm going. Um, but that's... Uh, I don't know, that's, that is what, I'm surprised, I feel like it's fake, I feel like, how would it be, how would it be a lie when there's, like, pictures, isn't it pretty well documented? It's like selling, saying Helen Keller's fake, like, she, like, it's pretty well documented that she wasn't. Anyway, um, which I know some of you are gonna squat on the Helen Keller's fake thing, and I'm just, I, I can't. Anyway, alright, we're gonna, take a real quick break, sponsored by, hmm, I don't know who should sponsor this week. Sponsored by um, um, Duracell. Okay, Intern Allen's official fantasy football preview for 2023. Listen up. All right. I'm going to start by saying this is not... I'm not going to, like, go over... Well, I'm recording this before I recorded the beginning of the pod, so I have no idea what I've already said about this or not, but I'll say it again now if I have already said it. This is not... I'm going... I'm not going over every single player in the league. I'm not... Uh, Tyler Lockett's the 23rd I'm not doing that. It's not happening. Um... If this is the only fantasy football pod you listen to... Um which I know for some loons it may be. Um, me going over all the rankings isn't going to help you anything. Um, there's other pods that do that and are in details. Also, you could just like follow the rankings and, and end up kind of blindly in a pretty decent spot. But I am going to go over the strategy for drafting against normal people. That I have found to be the most successful. And it's not like this round you do this, this round you do this. this, It's not that prescriptive. But um, it's just a couple tips and tricks that I follow pretty religiously um, that have ended up, you know, have gotten me in the right spot every time. All right, so now you're asking, oh, what are your credentials? Like, who makes you a fantasy football expert? Um, Nobody does. Uh, I'm just good at it. And um, I only really care about one league, and that's with the the Loons and the boys from home. Um, and in that league, I've had a losing season once in, like, getting on 10 years now. I think I've made the final five times. It could be four. I don't remember. It all kind of blends together when you're as good as me. I've only won once. People are saying, oh, it's fraud, whatever. Um, that I'm, like, a fraudulent good person that i'm good at this but um i think like percentage wise i've won more money than everybody else because i've gotten third a couple times too um so we'd have to go back and look and obviously some of the years we play for more money than others so um i'm not sure but i think percentage of winnings i may be in first place even though i haven't won as many titles as some others um cooper's probably ahead of me but whatever um, I'm right up there, and in this era, I'm definitely the best. I, I've been to the final, like, three years in a row, and I won one of them. And I would have won last year. Everybody knows if DeMar Hamlin had a better heart, I would have won last year. Um, uh, anyway, so those are my credentials. And I, I'm honestly doing the entire uh, world, and especially my league mates, a huge favor here by sharing my secrets. Um this is something that i would have never shared in the past and it's my secret to how i do so well so um now that the entire league has it i'm a little worried about my dominance will come to an end but it is what it is all right so the first secret and the biggest secret if you take away nothing if you turn off the pod after this um this is the biggest secret that you need to take away So if you turn off the pod after this, you'll probably be fine because this is the important important one. Your draft strategy and the types of players that you go in trying to pick is much more important than your knowledge of players going into your draft. I think a lot of fantasy football podcasts focus on who's – going to be what in what offense is this guy going to be the wide receiver three is it going to be a timeshare backfield for this guy it's all of that is important um and obviously the guy that picks the best players is the one that ends up winning usually um but most of like most of that is guesswork on our part Or you could get something completely right, and he just never scored. Like, that guy just never scores a touchdown. You know, like, he gets all – like, Deontay Johnson last year, I picked him. He was all – you know, the number one wide receiver in that offense. He's a great route runner. Route runner. runner. He's a great route runner. Great route runner. Um, He was always open, caught a ton of balls, was decent in PPR because of that. But he didn't score a single touchdown the entire year. That type of stuff happens, and it has nothing to do with anybody's knowledge ahead of time any of that sometimes you pick up like obviously if everybody knew that josh jacobs was going to be the biggest value in fantasy last year they would have picked him in the first round sometimes a guy just comes out of nowhere and leads the league and rushing for a team that's not any good it just sometimes it happens um and so there's a huge element of luck in terms of what players you pick but how you can be consistently good at this is taking away some of that luck by um or ensuring that you do get lucky sometimes um, by setting up your team in such a way that it sort of maximizes maximizes your opportunity um, to hit on those players and uh, sort of downsizes your risk. Um, I'll take this as as an example. Um, Or I'll share an example the year i won the league in the lincoln legends um which is the only league i care about um i had the first overall pick and the first overall pick is usually the biggest advantage that you can have in fantasy football um you're the only guy that gets to pick from every single player in the league um the guy in the second doesn't get the guy in the second overall pick does not get to choose from every single player in the league You're the only one that gets to choose from every single player in the league. And so um, I had picked Christian McCaffrey. And the year before that, Christian McCaffrey um, was basically a cheat code. He wasn't the first overall pick. He was somewhere in the middle of the first round. But by year end, he had like twice as many points as like the 10th best running back or something like that. So by taking the first overall pick, you essentially got... In Christian McCaffrey This was the idea at the time That you would get Two running back ones For the price of one And so I was gassed To take the first overall pick When I realized I won that in the draft I don't remember How we did the draft order That year But when I realized That was What happened Um You know I was obviously pumped However Christian McCaffrey Got injured for Almost the entire season I think he got injured In week four Um and he was supposed to come back at one point He came back, got injured again, something like that um, This is the 2021 year Yes, the 2020 No, the 2020 year Um. Yeah 2021 year We're just thinking back, I have been in four Finals in a row, I think Anyway 2021 year Christian McCaffrey gets hurt He's my number one, one overall pick, and usually, if you draft a number one overall pick, you don't draft again until pick twenty. And if that so that guy gets hurt, you're screwed. Usually, usually that's how it works. I won the leak, so obviously, I picked the wrong players. I made a massive mistake. It wasn't any fault of mine that I made the mistake. Um, you know, I got unlucky. The player that I picked number one overall before everybody else was a massive disappointment, and I basically started that season with my first pick being pick twenty, and I still won the league, and that's because I set my team up the correct way. So, um, I could do that again for last year, first overall pick. Well, not first overall, not first overall in the league, but my first round pick, Cooper Cup, got injured, but pretty quickly. Um, the entire end of the year he wasn't on the team he or he was injured wasn't doing anything wasn't providing anything at all um, ended up a hard attack away from winning the winning the league again because um, I set my team up the right way um, and made plays obviously a lot of this has to do with moves you make after the draft and all this stuff but just for the draft there are a lot of things I did last year that set up my team up the right way even though I got my first pick wrong. Again, no fault to me. All right. So now that it's established that the most important thing you can do is have a good strategy and you don't even really need to know as much about the players because you will get stuff wrong and you might do it well anyway if you have a good strategy. Now, what does a good strategy look like? So, some of this may sound obvious, but I promise it's not as obvious when I get into it. Um, Or maybe it is, and you're just better than me. But, judging by my regular audience to this show, I doubt that's the case. Um, First tip, and I'm going to hopefully remember these. Again, I'm driving, so um, I don't have it right in front of me. Because I'm, you know, watching the road. Um, First tip is to... No the position values, and understand the position tendencies. So if you're in a standard league, one quarterback, two wide receivers, two running backs, a flex, tight end, whatever, that's pretty typical, everybody kind of knows that. So what does it mean to know position values? Wide receivers and running backs are going to be your most important positions by far, it's just how it is, this is not like new fantasy knowledge, this is pretty common knowledge it's why they go in the first round um if you're in a two quarterback league quarterbacks will be going in the first round because they're much more valuable now because there's only about 20 good ones and you need well it's only about 15 good ones realistically um and every team needs two and it's going to need to start two and it's going to have one on the bench um So that's obviously going to change the value. So that's going to change league to league. If you're in a standard league, wide receivers and running backs are way more important. Um, With wide receivers and running backs, though, you have to understand that they are very different. Tendency-wise, the positions are very, very different. You can't just group them in and say, oh, I got a bunch of wide receivers, got a bunch of running backs. They're all the same. They're not all the same. Um, And the biggest thing in terms of, like, these two is Consistency. Um Week to week and year to year So The whole year long Wide receivers are going to be More consistent But week to week running backs Are going to be more consistent Now what does that mean If you have a running back That's healthy And that is a consistent workload Um that person is going to be putting up numbers every single week. If you had Josh Jacobs, for example, last year, he's putting up numbers every single week. You can plug him and play him, and you feel pretty good about it. If you had Dalvin Cook last year, every time he was playing, he's putting up numbers for the most part. Um, If you have Austin Eckler, every time he's playing, he's putting up numbers. Week to week to week, he's so consistent. Now, what does it mean to say they that running – uh, and week to week to week, wide receivers are a lot less consistent. It's a very – it's a pretty rare thing to find a wide receiver that you are comfortable with getting 15 points a week. Um, and those are like the elite guys when it does happen. Like guys like Cooper Cup when he's healthy are the, somebody you can throw in that conversation. Even guys like Calvin Johnson in his prime weren't always consistent week to week to week. And that's because sometimes you don't You you know, you go for 120 yards You don't get a touchdown And it's just like That's not Like it's fine But it's not My first pick in the draft fine Um, And that's so Seems like people always love running backs Because week to week to week to week They're really good That being said People always seem to forget That um, Running backs are going to miss games Often they they they're hurt all the time. Um and so it's actually so cold in here. Wow. Um just turn the AC down or up, I guess. I don't know. Um Running backs miss a lot of time, so on a year long basis they're not as consistent because there's just gonna be weeks where they don't exist in your lineup because they're hurt. Um and maybe those are like three weeks at a time where they're hurt. Um, and so my suggestion and when what I do or what i like to do in my fantasy um, teams is I draft a lot of running backs so that I have depth and I have options. And then I draft consistent wide receivers so that I can play the same guys every single week And they can be really good Now Is it ever like that black and white Clear Cut and dry No it isn't Cause you gotta take Another big tip is you gotta If you go in with the strategy of I'm gonna pick this guy then Then I'm not gonna pick this guy then Like You're gonna probably lose out some value Because you're like stuck in the mud of your own strategy And you don't realize You gotta take the board as it's coming to you type thing Um I got I to gotta make some adjustments on this AC. Yikes. My hand was freezing. Um, so I, generally speaking, like to take a lot of running backs, even if I get the really good ones, I like to have a lot of them. Um, which means you have to use them early. And then maybe not crazy boom, like, league-winning wide receivers, But um, wide receivers that are consistent, 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 week to week to week. Um, And you can have like maybe like one or I guess I'll say this. If you you don't have to take this strategy to the extreme. But if you draft a sort of like boom bust wide receiver as one of your starting wide receivers, you better not have two or three of them because there'll be some weeks where none of them boom and they all bust and then you're getting seven points total out of your two starting wide receivers and that is obviously not a position you want to be in Um, if you there's another side to this where you can draft all of the best wide receivers and really hope for boom 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 Because the top-end wide receivers realistically are the ones that are most consistent, but I never end up picking them, usually. I'll pick maybe one in the first round and then load up on running backs after that, but usually um, top-end wide receivers aren't ones that I pick a lot from because they're in the same spots as the top-end running backs, and I need multiple, I need to feel like I have multiple options with top end running backs so that when they State do get check hurt ahead on State Route 405. I don't know if you guys could hear that but it's a speed check ahead um, sick um, I should not speed then um, or maybe look like I'm talking into the phone um, but because I like to feel comfortable that I have many top end running backs that I can sort of Use week to week and if one goes down we're still fine because I have two other good ones um I end up drafting those guys early and sort of missing on missing out on the top end wide receivers you can do the opposite of this and go all in on the top end wide receivers get yourself Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill and you know excessive heat warning affected area ahead I please it. proceed with caution okay, we're, we're, we're turning off these little sound things um you can get yourself a Cooper Cup and a Tyreek Hill and maybe a T Higgins in the third round I don't know if that's where he's going right now Jesus Christ my phone is not working but if you're to do that you're gonna lose out on the top end running backs and the only th- you if you lose out on the top end running backs you have to work very hard to find running back production almost on a week-to-week basis using the waiver wire and uh, most people don't realize that or don't or like think it's all gonna work out and they don't just it just doesn't because they don't realize how hard they have to work um so if you take those three wide receivers like I mentioned, you know, two or three of your first four picks are wide receivers or something like that, you're going to end up relying on the likes of Khalil Herbert from the Chicago Bears to like be something for your team every week. It's been a, there's been a lot of uh Kareem Hunt reliance in the past few years for people that do this where it's like the 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 the, the production isn't consistent um And if that guy gets hurt, then all of a sudden your next guy isn't very good. You end up relying on backups in your starting spots, and if one of them gets hurt, then you're just kind of, like, hoping. Now, if you're the type that grinds really hard, you can go 0RB or whatever, or 1RB, and then kind of stack wide receivers. Because if you're confident that you're the guy that's first on the waiver wire to get this guy, or you're the guy that knows about this guy before everybody else does or you're the guy that uses three of four of his bench spots at one time, just hoping that somebody pops. Um, and I mean like using three or four of your bench spots for like random dudes that you've just picked up, hoping that somebody pops then like that strategy can work for you, but it's just way, way more work. And I think that most regular people don't have the F time or effort to devote to fantasy football in that way. Um, I will say uh, Lincoln Legends has one notable member um, who operates that way. Um, His name rhymes with Pandy. Um, So those are the two things that I would keep in mind, running backs wide receivers. Um, Obviously, having some player knowledge helps here because you need to know which guys are reliable and which guys aren't. There's some wide receivers that are ranked really high because on any given week they can go off in an insane way, but they aren't as um, week-to-week sort of comfy for your team. Or they end up at the end of the year with a ton of points, but then some weeks they get two. Those are the guys that I try to avoid um, because you're paying for inconsistency and sort of frustration in terms of your draft pick. Um, The next two big positions, by the way, by the way, if your league has kicker and defense draft them last don't be stupid you might think that you're cool or like getting the first defense or what you're not it's just i could talk for 10 minutes about how the numbers back up not doing this but just trust me if you go on any fantasy football podcast of all time ever they're gonna agree with me just don't do it you're dumb if you do it um it's fun to cheer for kicker and defense and whatever, but, like, draft them last. You don't need to get the best one because the best one isn't the best one by week three, usually. Anyway, I always drop my kicker and defense immediately after the draft, and I pick up uh, more wide, re- wide receivers and running backs just to see what happens. Um, which my league has caught on to that, and they start, like, I actually lost week one once because I never got a kicker because um, Cooper picked them all up. Um, and his bench, and the part, the part that I was frustrated about when that happened was, I was like, there's no way he drops his entire bench to pick up a kicker. Like, there's no way he'll do that. And then when he did it, I was like, okay, joke's on him. He dropped his entire bench. There must have been some good players on that bench. Um, so it's like kind of a loss for him long-term that he dropped some of these guys. I looked at the guys he dropped. His bench was horrible to begin with. Like It, it was it was not – he didn't listen to my draft strategy um, is, is all I'll say um, that I haven't even shared yet. But I was like – so he ended up not losing out at all, and he won that week because of it. But – it was also because this draft was really bad. I ended up winning the league that year. It is what it is, you know? Um, everybody laughed at me. I looked like a fool at the time. Won the league. It is what it is. Um, flags fly forever. Um, what was my name that year? It was something really inappropriate. Um, anyway, it's on the trophy, and the trophy guy got mad at me because it's inappropriate. Whatever. I won the league. Um... What was I saying? Defense and kicker last. Just do it. In our league, we only have kicker. Last. Just do it. Don't know why I'm giving you guys advice, but I think you know that. Anyway, quarterback and tight end. Oh, take a quarterback lead. Okay, yeah, we know. Um, I think, like, three years ago, the smartest guy in your draft was, like, sitting there without a quarterback in, in round 13 thinking, like, oh, yeah, these, these, these fucking idiots, like, they drafted, they drafted Ryan Tannehill in round 10, and I'm still here chilling, you know, um, and that may be true, I think most of the, I think almost all the fantasy world is caught up with that by now, and the rankings reflect it, that the bad quarterbacks, or, like, sorry, um, that the uh, um late quarterbacks are late, and everybody kind of knows that by now, Um. so the only advice, The only advice I have for um, quarterback and tight end is only get one of them. Only get one of each if you only have to play one of each. Um, There's enough good quarterbacks week to week that if you need to back up, if you need a backup, you're going to be able to find one. Um, And quarterbacks don't get injured that much because of how the rules of the NFL are that you don't need to carry a bunch. Use them for extra wide receivers and running backs. The other point I'll have is... Have a plan for when you're going to take them This is sort of general It's not just sit there late And take them last Because like, there's a there's Another player in our league And his name also rhymes with Pandy It's the same guy who, is, who thinks he's the smartest person in the room And he takes Whatever quarterback he can get in the 13th round Right before his kicker in defense And then he acts like he's the first person to ever like, Come up with fantasy football strategy And it's just not like, like it's fine, but you'd rather have Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or somebody who plays like that than not. And so I wouldn't reach for them. I wouldn't target the guys early. I think there's a certain level where I won't draft a quarterback at all. But you'd rather have a good quarterback in the 10th round than have to stream the position week to week to week in the 13th round because you drafted Kyle Trask or whatever, not that you would ever draft him, but um, I mentioned Josh Allen and Joe Burrow because I drafted those guys the two years, the past two years when I um, won the league and went to the ship and should have won the league, um, and that was Josh Allen, I believe, was 11th round, 12th round, something like that. It was right before his, his big um, breakout, but I drafted him then knowing that upside that we hadn't seen before was possible. And if I would have waited longer, I wouldn't have been able to get him. I wouldn't have ended up getting, drafting the best like points per game wise, total points overall, the single highest scoring player in fantasy that year. And it won me the league. Um, last year I drafted Joe Burrow 10th, something something like that, 11th. Um, he hadn't really broken out yet either. He did obviously. And um, or how Hamlin happened or else I would have won the league. Um, the point is, the answer isn't just to wait. The answer is to make a list of guys that you're comfortable with taking and take the last or second to last of those guys when they come up to you. So if everybody goes in the seventh round, you know, you might have to take one in the ninth. And that's fine because you'd rather have one of the guys you're comfortable with than just completely punt on the position and have to stream it week to week because that really doesn't work. Um, If there's more than 15 guys you're comfortable with taking, then I guess wait. But I don't think you should be comfortable with taking some of those guys. You should get a top 10 quarterback because there's only 10 or 12 people in your league and you should have one of the, you know, you don't want the worst one. Um whatever i think you get the point have a plan but the plan doesn't have to be oh wait forever um which is what like every fantasy football podcast will tell you um the other thing is as the draft is happening check out rosters um there's a point at which most people have a starting quarterback that you can like assume that it's going to be a little while before they take another one if they take another one so if like eight of the 10 people in your league already have a starting quarterback you don't need to rush to get one because they're almost out because they're not taking anymore because they just drafted one anyway tight end similar thing here the answer isn't just to wait because if you take travis kelsey in the second round you have a very good player way better than every any other player at that position um travis Kelsey's is even going in the first round this year i don't know haven't quite decided whether I'd be comfortable with that. Um, but there's a reason that some of these guys are going so high, and that's because there's about four... Okay, there's one tight end that's way better than everybody else, and that's Travis Kelsey. Um So if you have an opportunity to take him back in the first round and any later, I would very, very strongly consider it definitely in the second. Um, then there's about four-ish guys after him, that are like a helpful player for your team and I would say that those five guys you want one of them and so in the past it's been like three guys that you want one of them so you kind of got to take them in the first five rounds or something like that um so this year and I don't know the rankings as well as I have in past years been in Italy New York all this stuff stuff. people have heard about that. but this year, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Hawkinson, and uh, Pitts. But Pitts is a huge question mark for me. I don't really know. But those are the guys that are draft being drafted at a certain level that you probably want one of those guys on your team. Now, I wouldn't reach for any of them. But if those guys are going, I, w- I want to rather have one of those guys than not. So if I have to draft one in the sixth I have to draft one in the fifth. I'm doing it. Um, even though traditionally, oh, wait on the one position. Nah, there's a huge difference between those guys and some of the guys below them. Um, if you don't get one of those guys, I'm waiting all the way to the end is, is how I usually go about that. And, um, you know, hoping that a Juwan Johnson in the 13th round can be serviceable at that position because I haven't, um, because I didn't get one of those guys. What I would not do is, oh, I didn't get one of the top five tight ends. I, um, so I definitely need, like, the next couple. Like, it's time for, like, all the tight ends are gone. I definitely need one now. And then, so you end up drafting Cole Komet or something in the 10th round. And I have no idea if that's where he's going. But I just, like, wouldn't do that. Like, Cole Komet, his upside is tiny. And you've already kind of missed out on it. I wouldn't use more draft capital than you need to. Um, so I didn't. Once you sort of miss out on the top guys, I'd give up until the very end. Again, that's been my strategy for it. Um, I would just have a plan and don't let other people's movement in the league affect that your plan. Um, and don't let. Oh, it's too late. Or it's too early. Or it's too blah, to affect your plan. And the plan should be based on players you're happy to get and players you aren't happy to get. All this other stuff um, for those two positions. All right, that's the positional thing. The next thing I'll say is, people are that are drafting way too often only think of the positive sides. And this player, so it's like this player could be this, therefore I'm going to draft him at this point because he could be this. That player could also absolutely not be that. Um, if you drafted, I'm trying to think of an example right now, um, right, if you drafted um, at certain points in the past few years. Who is the running back from New England? Don't remember his name. He's not in New England anymore. Whatever. Um, Well, I can't come up with an example. Anyway, there's a lot of players that could be really good. There's a possibility for them to be really good. Maybe there's even a huge opportunity for them to be really good on their team. But that doesn't absolutely mean that they're going to be really good. People way too often only think about what is possible for a player when they draft a player and they end up with a lineup full of very risky guys who if they hit if they all hit maybe it's fine but if any of them like miss they can completely miss and sort of put your team in a really bad spot um this isn't necessarily one that's going to like super change your draft strategy but just when you're thinking about players don't think oh jameer gibbs could catch every single ball out of the backfield for the lines and he could be the goal line back and he could be the three down back we well, also could not be that like there's a chance that david montgomery is jamal williams and jameer gibbs is DeAndre Swift, and you're going to be a lot more upset that you have the more talented player that isn't getting as much opportunity. That's actually a great fucking example. Last year, in this case, I did not follow my own advice. DeAndre Swift should be a three-down back. He has the talent to be a three-down back in a good offense, um, and they use him out of the backfield, all this other stuff. He's the best player on the, in maybe the offense is what people were thinking at the beginning of the year. His backup, who ended up not really being a backup, led the league in touchdowns and stole every single goal line carry. Was it possible that DeAndre Swift was really good and worth a second-round pick? Yes, it was possible. It was also possible that he absolutely wasn't that, never got the value back on that. Um, And... I mean, by the way, though, Cooper Cup first round, DeAndre Swift second round, still should have won the league. Unbelievable for me. Anyway, I need to actually, this this podcast, this segment of the podcast should be titled How to Draft After Rounds 1 and 2, because I'm not good at drafting in rounds 1 and 2. I think um, even when I've been good and I'm always good, it's not because of my first round pick usually. Anyway, um, so I'm going to go back and when I actually teased this segment early, earlier in the show that I haven't recorded yet, I'm going to say that. Um, Alright, next thing is, don't let the fact that you don't know a player's name stop you from drafting him. This is big for all the, all the loons out there who haven't done their research. You're like, who's B. John Robinson? Okay, you should know who B. John Robinson is. Who's Jameer Gibbs? Okay, you should know who Jameer Gibbs is. But something like... Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba is not a name I'm used to drafting in fantasy football. Well, maybe he should be. Um, stuff like that is... What you need to avoid. Because a lot of times, players that have a lot of opportunity... Um, are good players and are somebody that's going to help your team a lot are undervalued just because they haven't done it before. So I remember one of the years I went to the finals and lost. It's happened too many times. Um, I drafted Ezekiel Elliott in the tenth, in like the tenth pick. I think I had the last pick of the first round. Zeke was a rookie. And you probably knew Zeke Elliott's name at that point because you remember him from Ohio State, this and this and this. Um, He had the little crop top thing or he was kind of a known commodity, but not in the NFL. You weren't used to drafting his name in fantasy football. Um, He was going to be like he was ranked about like sixth or something that year. And I got him at 10th, which in the first round is a huge difference. He ended up leading the league in rushing, was the second highest scoring running back, carried my team, and I ended up drafting him over and over again for years to come. Same thing can happen all across the board. Um, James Robinson, the year that that I won the league, I drafted him, I think... I actually think I might have dropped my kicker for him, so I didn't draft him. But that type of player is a way better... Possibility: a player that you haven't heard of who has talent, who has an opportunity is going to be way better than um, somebody that you is a known commodity that is only going to be picked because people know who they are. Um, this is, I know I gave the Zeke example. Um, that's true for like B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs this year. Like those, just cause you haven't drafted those guys before doesn't mean they're not good. Um, Obviously, there's a huge possibility that anybody busts, but um, rookie running backs are really good. They always have it. Um, this is more of a thing, despite that example, in the later rounds. So you get to round 10 or whatever, and you're like, okay, I have a bunch of, like, dudes here who I either don't know their names or it's, like, old guys who I know who they are. Huge example here, like Romeo Dobbs. Like, we're not used to Romeo Dobbs. I mean, we probably heard of Romeo Dobbs last year. He was good. Um, But we're not used to Romeo Dobbs being an elite level um, fantasy wide receiver. Um, He's a second year player, that type of thing. Like, he played for the Packers. Um, Anyway. Would you rather draft Romeo Dobbs Or Adam Thielen I have no idea Where they're going right now We know who Adam Thielen is We absolutely do um, You're probably drafting Adam Thielen But realistic it's, bad, it's a bad example Romeo Dobbs are like I'm trying to think of Like draft rankings right now Off the top of my head It's not really working uh, I think like Alan Lazard is around there Last year Romeo Dobbs and Alan Lazard Played the same team Alan Lazard is a better player He's more known he has more uh, experience in the league. You've probably played him in your fantasy lineup more times. But Alan Lazard is out. We absolutely know who Alan Lazard is. And he's not that good. He's not going to win the your league. He's a mediocre to average wide receiver at best. We don't know who Romeo Dobbs is. We don't know who he is against, with Jordan Love um, in a full season. And so, like, the opportunity lies and the value lies with Romeo Dobbs. But because you're scared of him, um because you don't know his name, you might not draft him. So that's the type of mistake I would not make. Um same thing we said, it happens a lot of times, just like older players that used to be good get drafted based on what they did in the past. I'd look out for Odell Beckham type things, that type of thing with him. Um AJ Green's a mistake I've made before. Um, honestly DeAndre Hopkins this year some of these guys are higher level than like Romeo Dallas, for example but I would draft the less proven players um, who are ne- coming into their prime rather than the um, the older players that are exiting their prime just because they were really good three years ago um, I don't know how many more of these tips I have I'll just keep saying them as they come next tip your league is dumber than you think you can't you have to remember that the people in your league um are not experts they're not the people that like if you sim if you sim like mock drafts on like sleeper or whatever or on fantasy football what is that called fantasy what is that website um, How do I forget that website's name whatever the one where you can mock drafts. Against, like, the computer. You have to remember that the people in your league are dumber than that. Um, that they're human beings, and they um, have their own little agendas and their own little players that they like for no reason. And um, they're going to do something wild in the draft. It's good to mock draft ahead of time. Um, obviously, I do it all the time. Um, but I don't think... Any, like, real live draft that we do for real has ever, ever, ever gone similar to the mock drafts that I do against, like, the computer or what the rankings would say or all this other stuff. The other thing that is related to this is don't, like, be too smart in your um, lead up to this, um, thinking that, oh, I'm going to, like, pour over the ADP charts or whatever, like so-and-so is going in the sixth round on ADP, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, across all systems, whatever, whatever. That's not real. I mean, ADP is real, but it's like an average across everybody. Just know what system your league is drafting off of, um, and like the rankings on that system are going to be pretty darn close to the ADP. There's going to be a point where somebody's like, where a player was... You know, rankings wise, should have been picked five picks ago, and somebody's like, Oh, I'm just going to pick that guy because he's still up there. That's just, that happens. Um, or that person's going to ask, What's wrong with him? And everybody will be like, Well, oh, nothing, nothing really. And then they're like, All right, well, pick him. Like, that's just how it goes. They follow, you know, when you're in a league with people who aren't experts, um, they follow the rankings more often than not. And so you have to know within the rankings, what pick players you like more than others, what players you don't, all this other stuff. Um, when my league drafted like in person, I would, this is a secret that I don't know if the loons know, but I would print off cheat sheets. I would volunteer to print off cheat sheets for everybody. Be like, oh yeah, I'll come to the draft with a bunch of cheat sheets, like top 300, whatever. Um, and I would, and I would volunteer that specifically so I could choose which cheat sheet that they were looking off of. Print off one for myself so that I know what they're all going to do ADP-wise in the draft. Because um, if they all came with different cheat sheets, then I wouldn't know exactly what to expect because they're all working from different rankings. But if I volunteer to give them the cheat sheets, then I know exactly what rankings they're using. I had, I had one of those and then one of... Um, a tiered rankings thing that I usually trusted more. I usually printed off, like, the ESPN Top 300, and then um, the Fantasy Pros, like, tiered rankings or something like that, and um, obviously I have my own opinion on, like, most of the players, based on, like, what I research I'd done myself, but that was usually a move I tried to play. Okay, I don't get to use that move anymore, because we just draft on Yahoo now, but um, because none of us live in the same spot, but um you know, the effect is still the same. I kind of know what order everything's going to go in. Um Any more tips? Any more tips? I'm trying to think of tips. I guess to just in general, the draft is like half of the battle if if that. Maybe even like a quarter of the battle. I can't tell you how many times I've picked up somebody that ends up winning the league and um andy in our league is good pretty i guess almost you could almost say pretty consistently decent because he works really really hard on the waiver wire he is a dummy and he makes horrible decisions at the draft often makes horrible trades in the middle of the year for horrible reasons that he'll try to justify as smart which they never are um but because he grinds the waiver wire and he picks up every guy that's going to start for a week in a really good offense or every guy that's replacing a guy that's injured for four, four weeks because he grinds that harder than everybody else. He ends up um, always being kind of in the right spot. Um, And that if he worked that hard and had any kind of brains in the draft and, and with the trades he makes, then I, you know, he'd be a, very good fantasy player. Um, let me think if there's any more tips I have. I feel like there are more tips. Don't draft players from your home team just because they're home. Your home team. It's a pretty easy one. At Loonschmidt. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's uh, that's the fantasy football preview. That was actually really long, so that's a, it's, a, it's a good preview. It's basically like a real fantasy football episode. Anyway, whatever. Post-game time. Um, this, this water break is presented by Powerade because that's what I'm drinking in the car. We, uh, <clears throat> we have the triumphant return of a segment on this show, um, the Horse of the Week. My Horse of the Week is Elon Musk. What? Um, Horse of the Week is Elon Musk because he ruined Twitter. Um, and this is not going the direction you think it is. Um, he ruined Twitter. And so... we well, didn't really ruin it. He turned it into X. It's weird and whatever. I actually don't care. Um... But, you know, who does care is Loon Beth. And so now my mom just not... I don't even think she knows this podcast exists. Despite the fact that we've been posting it on X every week. Because she's no longer on X because Elon Musk ruined it, allegedly. So, that means that I can... I've been kind of biting my tongue. Not not that I was going to be like... Quagmire on here, but... Um, I'm just. I can let it loose a little bit more. I can. I can let myself cook a little bit more than I maybe thought I could before. Before this, <clears throat> thanks to Elon Musk. So shout out to Elon Musk. Horse of the week, come on the pod. That leads me into my post game and my post game thought for this week. It's again a kind of a rant. Um, urinals are too short, and. Maybe not too short, but they are too low on the wall. It is completely ridiculous that, like, most urinals are, like, built for people that are 5'2". And, um... So, okay. I get that there needs to be a kid's urinal in every bathroom. I get that. I get that. Um, but why does there need to be more than one? Why does every urinal have to be so low to the ground? I at at the at the gym that I go to that I went to in in New, in, uh, New Jersey, uh, you know, no big deal. I'm lifting. Um, there were three urinals, and they were all the same height, and like the bottom of the urinal was all like maybe a foot and a half off the ground. Now, my little Allen post was like two feet above the urinal and he's like oh yeah alan you have a small dick whatever that's not the problem if it was two feet long like it would still be like resting on the top of the urinal that's how short these things were and the problem isn't that there's one of them because if there was one of them you're like oh it's for the four-year-old kids and loon schmidt like we get it that's fine but the problem is that there's all of them are that short when most of the population is not that short why are urinals all so short and it's, like, like, this Planet Fitness, um, which now it's not cool that I go to Planet Fitness, should not have name drop the gym. This, this Equinox, bro, that I was going to because I lift so much, um, is not the only time that I've seen this, where there's, like, usually... Um, or, like, I've often seen a bunch of urinals that are all just, like, kids' height. And it's like, why? Like, there's not that many kids in the world that need the short urinal. Why can't you just have them be adult height and like a couple kids um which like obviously there's plenty of bathrooms that are that way where it's adult like many adult height ones and then there's just a couple kids ones but like if there's ever more if you if you have two urinals and both of them are kids height why if you have three urinals and more than one of them is kids height like what are we doing and it happens all the time and I would love to hear an explanation for it because it makes, it's like unconscionable to me, it makes no sense Um, and even when there's like a clear difference in height of urinals and some urinals are like clearly a kid's height and it's like two feet off the ground at most and some are like um, like a little bit higher than that like still the ones that are higher than that are too short they are like like I could still rest it on the top of the urinal which I I don't want to like that that's too short like if I were to just like stand there this is like this a urinal should allow you to just stand there and not do anything and have your pee go into the urinal if I have to like aim downwards at the ur- at like the urinal, and it's like splashing on me because I'm hitting the bottom of the thing at like a at like a high rate of speed because it's falling from so high. Um, again, my dick's not short; it's just I'm tall. Um, then, like that's a problem. And like, why are we doing that? Also, in Europe, sometimes they just have holes in the ground, which is psycho. But honestly kind of electric so i'd actually prefer that to just like just have like a hole in the ground you stand over the it's like a porcelain hole in the ground you just stand over the hole and you pee down into it um but it's like below where your feet would go so it's not like you're peeing on your feet um anyway that's the um best post game hopefully uh some of my loons are with me on that um if not, whatever. I don't care. Also, people tell me they play pickleball this week. Like, just... I don't care. I don't, I don't... I do not care. Oh, but... To be fair... Okay, some cleanup here. I didn't realize one of the major rules of pickleball. I thought you could only ever hit it underhanded. Apparently, you can spike it. It's only, like, 1% more cool. Which means it's, like, 2% cool now. So... For all the haters out there that, like, brought that to my attention... Um whatever. I don't, I I still don't care. Um, snake emoji. Peace.